Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. And welcome to this special St. Paddy's Day episode of Cracking One Open. As you all know, St. Paddy's Day is right around the corner, so we are doing a special episode uh, for the holiday of booze. (laughs) Basically, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So this episode is going to be a little different because Mm -hmm. we're going to drink beers that pretty much everybody knows. So we're not going to go too far into like the tasting notes this time or even kind of how it was made. There's not a whole lot of information about exactly how these are brewed because... Mm -hmm. They are classics, um, but we do know stuff about the history of the brewery and we'll go mm-hmm. over kind of St. Paddy's Day and how it began and how it became kind of the drinking holiday. You know, it's the only really the only holiday based on a saint that's, uh, <laughs> that's also steeped in uh, just drinking. Yep, that's true. So we'll get our first taste of uh, substitute beer fesser Mike here. Um, but first I will go over a little bit about the breweries, um, and the, the beer itself. All right. So this week we are, we're technically cracking open too, so it's going to be a little weird, but we will be drinking both Guinness and Smittics, which are two like must have beers. If you are going to drink beer on St. Patrick's day. Yeah. We went with the basic bitch kind of, uh, (laughs) Kind of Something staples. that everyone can find wherever they are on St. Patrick's Day. And that are good and kind of everybody associates with mm-hmm. the holiday. You can't go on St. Patrick's Day without having a Guinness. Well, so. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. uh Yeah, let's get right into it. Let's crack these babies open. Let's crack them open. <laughs> Not even going to attempt a, an Irish accent. I would only embarrass myself. So the first thing. Is I have never bought Guinness from a can or bottle. Uh huh. Because at the uh, theater bar where I worked, we had Guinness in bottles when we first opened, and no one ever bought them because no one wants Guinness from a bottle. Yeah. No one wants them. But for this episode, we needed Guinness, and I don't have a nitro tap in my apartment, but we have these cans. And what I'm noticing is there's something in this can. There is. I can hear it's it. It's clanking around. I don't know how I didn't notice that when I put them in the fridge this morning. So let's get right off with this can because this is not going to be the focus. So everybody knows what the Guinness can looks like. It's black. It's got the Guinness harp established. 
1759. The can says, upon opening, well, hold on. Upon opening, the famous round plastic widget in every can unleashes nitrogen through the beer, creating the creamy head and iconic, oh. iconic surge that's distinctively Guinness. To best enjoy, open the can and wait a moment for the nitrogen to release. Pour into a glass tilted at 45 degrees and watch the surge and settle, then enjoy. Okay. Uh, so this isn't going to awesome. explode all over us? Theoretically, no. <laughs> well, let's find out. Yeah. So upon opening, open the can and wait a moment for the nitrogen to release. Oh, that sounded weird. That did sound really I'll weird. I'll open the next one right at the microphone okay. so people can hear better. I was just afraid it was going to explode. Me too. Oh, it's like, oh, that's so weird. There's a plastic thing in there. Classic Guinness kind of floating down and then back yep. up. That's da- kind of Downward cool. bubbles. A little bit less of a head than you might hope for or expect from a Guinness, but mm-hmm. that's not bad. Yeah. I want to open my own. Oh, Give okay. <laughs> open it next to your microphone though so we can hear the weird sound. <laughs> that's cool it sounds like something was drowned like a small animal was drowning yeah in my beer when i opened it sounds like some kind of weird sea creature Mm -hmm. something else that's very interesting about this can is it gives you serving facts which i haven't seen on many cans Mm -hmm. so it says that its serving size is 12 fluid ounces okay which is interesting because it's a tall can but it's mm-hmm. only 12 ounces, probably because that plastic widget takes up some space. It must, yeah. It's 1.25 servings per uh, per container. Calories are... Oh, so it is 16 ounces. Never mind. Calorie amounts per serving. Calories, 125. Carbohydrates, 9.5. Protein, 1.1 grams. Fat, zero. You don't see that on many beers. They don't give no, you that kind of fat. So true. I think that's kind of cool. All right. So mine has settled into distinctly... Almost black. Classic, yeah. Uh, classic stout with a decent head on it. Mm-hmm. Mine is still getting there. Yep. But you got a little bit more of a head than mine. Yours <laughs> looks a little bit more classic Guinnessy. Not, I mean, definitely nowhere near, um, you know, what you would get if you were getting it straight from the tap at a bar. But oh, no. As far as from a can goes, I think this is as good as it's going to get. And I love that we got the classic uh, Guinness glasses. Uh, I'm really happy about these glasses. Yeah. So um, before we get into the history of Guinness, I would mm-hmm. say cheers. Cheers. God, I love Guinness. I know you do. That's so. It's like smooth and nutty and there's not a lot of carbonation. No, I think that's what really. Because it's nitrogen, I guess. So it's yeah. super smooth. That's what throws you off. That's what you don't like about it. Yeah. I mean, I, the, I appreciate the taste much more than the last time that I had it. But the the lack of mouthfeel is just really jarring to me. That's why you need that that thick, uh, foamy head on it. Guinness is something that is distinctly, just like they say on the can, it's distinctively mm-hmm. their own. It really is. Oh, yeah. Their own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is brewed right in Dublin, the heart of St. Patrick's Day country. So, yeah. So mm. let's get right into it. All right. <laughs> uh, so Arthur Guinness started brewing ales in 1759 at the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. In fact, he signed a 9,000-year lease at 45 pounds per year for the unused brewery. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Ten years later, on May 19th... (laughs) It's my birthday! 1769... (laughs) 
That's <laughs> a little before my birthday. Uh, Guinness first exported his ale, shipping 6.5 barrels to Great Britain. Not exactly uh, brewing in bulk. Nope. Arthur Guinness started to sell the Dark Porter in 1778, and throughout the bulk of its history, Guinness produced only three variations of a single beer type. Porter or single stout, double or extra, and foreign stout for export. And while stout did originally refer to a beer's strength, it eventually shifted meaning toward the the body and color of it. Gotcha. I was going going to ask you about that. Yeah. So Guinness's sales soared from 350,000 barrels in 1868 to 779,000 barrels in 1876. Whoa. Yeah. So by 1886, Guinness was averaging sales of 1.138 million barrels of beer. And it was at this point that they became a public company. Keep in mind, they were purposely not advertising and did not offer its beer at a discount at all. (laughs) (laughs) So by 1914, Guinness was producing over 2.5 million barrels of beer per year, which was more than double that of its nearest competitor, uh, Bass, 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 Bass. which is decent, double, more than double. Uh, and supplying more than 10% of the total UK beer market. <laughs> Until the late 1950s, Guinness was still racked into wooden casks. In the late 50s into the early 60s is when they developed a keg brewing system with aluminum kegs to replace the wooden casks. And in 1959 is when Guinness began using nitrogen, which fundamentally changed the texture and flavor to make it creamier and smoother. Oh. So beer circa before 1959 was just regular, regular carbonation, just yep. a regular like stout. Yep. Interesting. I, I'd, it was a new technology. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense because nitrogen is a little more it's something you have it's to actually do to, to the beer. With, yeah, yeah. It's not like something that naturally occurs. Yeah. That's interesting. Do they have the classic in the brewery? I'm sorry if I, I skipped over so. stuff. So you can get the original like non-nitrogen. Oh, you mean now? Yeah. I have no idea. Because obviously, <laughs> one event one day I'd like to go to like the UK oh, and go around yeah. and go to Ireland, yeah. and absolutely, I'd, obviously Guinness would be a stop. Mm-hmm. I'd be very curious if they were like, and here's what our beer tasted like, you know. That'd be more like, and here's what our beer tasted like, circa <laughs> nineteen, you know, fifty eight yeah. before. Like, yeah. I, I'd really be interested to try a non nitrogen, more bubbly. Maybe you'd like it more. It's very possible. This taste, but with bubbles instead of the smoothness and mm-hmm. the head. But I can't imagine Guinness without that head. That's really crazy. That's weird. That means there are people alive today that, you know. That remember. That it, remember Guinness. It's original. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so crazy. I didn't know that. Uh, so Guinness actually thought that they might have brewed their last beer in 1973. The 1970s saw declining sales. And at that point, Guinness made the decision to make their Guinness extra stout more drinkable, quote unquote. So they reduced the gravity of the beer and relaunched the brand in 1981. Pale malt was used for the first time and isomerized isomerized, uh, hop extract began to be used as well. In 2007, sales of Guinness declined again in Ireland and the UK, but Guinness still accounts for more than a quarter of all beer sold in Ireland. (laughs) 
Guinness is now brewed internationally with the unfermented but hopped Guinness wort being shipped from Dublin and then blended with beer that was brewed locally. Hmm. The company says that the perfect pint of Guinness is the product of a double pour, which officially should take 119.53 seconds. They promoted this with campaigns such as good things come to those who wait. (laughs) (laughs) But in reality... The two-stage pour does not actually affect the taste anymore since Guinness is no longer cask conditioned. Huh. I do remember that though. The whole, all the bars behind it had like mm-hmm. the, uh, the the step-by-step and they could get a trainer in yep. to train you how to do the pour. And I remember a couple of uh, places we'd go to mm-hmm. would actually do the two-step where yeah. you poured halfway, then you wait and then you get the second half and you're like watching your beer being built on the yep. tap. And I always, <laughs> I always loved the, uh, what's the name for that? What do you mean? The, like when it's like style and cla- like a, like a show almost like the oh. fromage. I honestly, <laughs> if there was any chance of my train of thought pulling into that station, it it's was completely <laughs> derailed by my cheese comment. Yes. <laughs> um yeah so that is a very very basic history of guinness i honestly could do like like this is straight from wikipedia there is so much information about the history of guinness there is there was like a, a lot of drama there was like this big lawsuit because of like a share share fraud or something back in the it, it's mm. nuts um, For those wondering, Guinness is the same Guinness as the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, okay. I didn't come across that. Yep. So yeah, I'm going I do to... believe. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we are not finished with our beers yet, I'm going to move on. So Smittix is a red ale. It is actually the most consumed ale in Ireland. I guess they kind of differentiate between a, uh, Guinness as a stout and Smittix as a, a red as ale. A male. Okay. Yeah. The brewery was founded in 1710 by John Smittick of Kilkenny. In 1800, export sales began to fall and the brewing industry was facing some challenges. However, the Smittick family decided to increase production in the maltings and began selling mineral water and butter out of their drays. <laughs> what is a dray, you might ask? Because I had to. What is a dray? <laughs> A dray is a truck or cart for delivering beer barrels or other heavy loads, especially a low one without sides. It's basically what you would imagine um, you see when you think of a horse-drawn carriage. So I was picturing in my head. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> By 1900, output was at an all-time low, and then owner James Smittick was advised to shut the doors to the brewery. So instead, <laughs> James reduced the range of beers that they produced and set out to find new markets. And it started to work. James's son, Walter, took over in 1930 and steered the brewery to success, even through World War II. And by 1950, Smittix was exporting its ale to Boston. The Smittix brewery was actually run by the Smittix family of Kilkenny up until 1965, when it was acquired by Guinness. (laughs) So the original Kilkenny brewery was shut down in 2013. And production moved to Dublin, but you can still visit the old brewery as a like a visitor's experience. Hmm. 
which I would also love to do. Yeah. So Smittix Brewery was founded on the site of a Franciscan abbey where monks had brewed ale since the 14th century. Nice. Uh, and ruins of the original abbey still remain on its grounds. And that's part of what you can see if you visit the old brewery, which also happened to be the oldest operating brewery in Ireland when it closed. And apparently the Smittick family had a secret process for brewing the beer, which they swore to never share with people outside the company. So that the brick wall that I hit <laughs> when I was looking that up. <laughs> but I mean, technically they did share it outside the company because they shared it with Guinness because Guinness took over the other company. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's like Traitors. lore. I don't know. <laughs> but that's what I get. That's cool. Yeah. Gonna crack open the Smittics? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm pretty much done with my Guinness. And I am not. <laughs> so fun fact about uh, Elise and I and Guinness. She does not like Guinness and I, I love me Guinness. You do. And I've tried. I've tried several times over several years. <sighs> I think it's the carbonation. I really do. I think it might be too. Because the taste is amazing. I do. Yeah. Like I said, I, I appreciate the taste more this time around than I ever have. But the thing about Guinness, that's it so just good. It tastes like flat beer. Is, I can see that if you don't know Guinness, you don't know Guinness is supposed to be kind of foam and taste and stuff. Like if you don't know what Guinness is, it's a little weird at first. Mm -hmm. Like the first time I had Guinness, it was kind of like, whoa, with a frothy head, especially. You're thinking, Oh, there be bubbles here. Yeah. And then you drink and it and watching no the bubbles <laughs> when it's initially poured. Yeah. But it's really just a froth going down and coming back up. Yep. It really is froth, not carbonation causing the head on this beer, which I really enjoy. But it is I'm something that do. does take a little bit of getting used to, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like the first time I had, I still liked it, but it was a little jarring, but I kind of got over it. But I can see if you always want that bubble and you're not going to get that bubble. Yeah. You'll never be happy with Guinness. But the taste is like you expect it to be such a heavy beer. And it That's really true. I will give it that beer. as compared to the other stouts that I have that that are more carbonated. They do sit heavier. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that is, I mean, correlation, not causation, but. <laughs> Nothing better than yeah. a can, I guess. All right. Let me grab the Smittix. Smittix. All right. So now we have <laughs> our bottle of Smittix. Now I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know. If you're looking for Smittix, if you're like, oh, I want some Smittix and you're new to beer, mm -hmm. but you've never had it before. You want the red ale. You want the red ale and it's spelt Smithwicks. Yeah. Not Smittix. And you don't pronounce it Smithwicks. <laughs> Just like you don't pronounce Greenwich, Greenwich. Greenwich. Eh. Oh, I have trouble with bottles. <laughs> Clearly. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, so good. Oh, I love red ales. That's the thing is, and I think we've talked about it in the podcast before, there's such a, a small amount of red ales that you can get around here. I, I know. At least in, in the Northeast, and it's probably around the US. It's just, mm -hmm. it's not a very popular style of beer. Yeah. But it's so good, red ales. And it's nice to have one every once in a while. We um we had a bar called the Tilted Kilt, which was like if Hooters uh, had sex with uh, Ireland. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and wasn't strictly beer and wings. They also had like. Oh, they had a ton of Irish pub yeah. food and stuff like that. It was actually really good. It was good. Um, even if the style of waitress was a little uncouth, I guess. Mm -mm. The, the restaurant was cool. Everybody was really care. nice. They were really nice. <laughs> yeah, they were really nice waitresses. And 
they had such a great beer selection and they had they their really own did. beer. They had they like had, 40 taps. It was before I thought it was 67 taps. I thought it was something even more. Oh. It was a ridiculous amount of taps and they yep. had their, a, their own, own red, red ale. ale and it was really good. The thing about red ales is they're a little bit more flavorful than your typical like plain just ale, mm-hmm. but also not anything like crazy. There's nothing yeah. like- there, It's not super hoppy. It's more uh, like malty and sweet. Very malty. Yep. And, it and just, nutty. Yep. And it's got a little bit more maybe hoppiness to it than I think, maybe not in taste, but in bitterness. Okay. But yeah, that nuttiness is definitely there for sure. Yeah. Which probably comes from the extra malt, mm-hmm. which might be why it's red, more red. And did you, okay, so I'm going to bounce back and forth depending on That's what. That's fine. This episode's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> so even though Guinness appears black, they officially call it a deep ruby. Ooh. And I think that's funny because this is the Smittics right smack on the front of the bottle says a ruby red brew. Yeah, but this is like red as in like, it's and, pretty red. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that Guinness considers itself ruby. Yeah. In any form. Well, the thing is in the bottom of a Guinness glass, if you put it up to the light, you can kind of see some red kind of showing through. Mm-hmm. Like it's not completely dark. Like this little like half sip I have left in this glass has a little bit of color left in it. So it's a ruby red brew with a gentle hot bitterness and a sweet malt finish. Mm-hmm. Smittix has been brewing. Nope, let me read the back of the bottle com- uh, correctly. <laughs> Smittix has been brewing in Ireland for over 300 years. Like the castle at the heart of Kilkenny where Smittix was founded, our brews have stood the test of time. This ruby red brew earned its rightful place as Ireland's most loved ale. Now brewed in Dublin, this red ale is a blend of mild hop, sweet malt, and roasted barley. Mm, barley. Oh. <laughs> so what's interesting is uh, this is brewed in Guinness and Company in Dublin, but it's imported by Diag- Diagio. Diagio Beer Company in yep. Norwalk, Connecticut. Huh. Uh, Norwalk, Connecticut is actually the home to a lot of imported beers in terms yes. of where they get imported. But what's interesting here for Guinness is Guinness is the same company, Diageo Beer, but Guinness mm. is imported out of New York City. Oh, that's strange. So even though they're both the same company. Yeah. Smittix goes to Norwalk. Guinness goes to New York. Hmm. Maybe it has something to do with the size of the shipments. That'd be my guess. I also think it's interesting that, well, A, I didn't know that Smittix is only 4.5%, but the bottle is 11.2 fluid ounces. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) Am I getting ripped off? We are. (laughs) We're getting ripped off 0.8 ounces per bottle. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Unless they're just being more truthful. (laughs) And everybody else is lying. Everyone else is lying. (laughs) Oh, it's so good, though. It really is. There's your carbonation right there. Mm-hmm. So everyone knows about St. Patrick. Legend has it. He was actually not legend has it. The true St. Patrick <laughs> was actually born in Great Britain. OK. He is not Irish, but he was captured and sold as a slave in Ireland. Hmm. But as he grew up, he ended up coming back to Great Britain, becoming a, a priest or some part of the church. Mm hmm. And then had a dream where he was told that he would deliver Ireland from the sinner, the heathens, to because uh, at that point, Ireland was still a whole bunch of different Celtic sects that believed in different gods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Patrick, <laughs> pre-saint, went to Ireland and to convert the masses to Catholicism. Okay. Now, everybody knows about the legend of St. Patrick's that he drove all the snakes out of Ireland. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Ireland is a, a very cold frigid rocky island do they even have snakes they don't have snakes (laughs) (laughs) so 
either you can believe the legend and he uh, drove those snakes from Ireland or you could take it as a fable and the snakes are the uh, uh, quote unquote heathens uh, and he drove those heathen gods from the Isles, hmm. the Emerald Isles, as he kind of made Catholicism the main religion in Ireland. Interesting. St. Patrick's Day originally was a very solemn holiday where you said your prayers, you thanked St. Patrick, but it was not celebrated as a more celebratory holiday until about the 1700s or so. Okay. Or maybe the 1600s. At that time, it was a feast where drinking was allowed because this is right in the middle of Lent. Mm -hmm. But for St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. (laughs) Loophole. Loophole. (laughs) Go right ahead. So you could eat and feast and drink Mm -hmm. for this one holiday. Mm Mm-hmm. To celebrate St. Patrick, because March 17th is supposedly the date of his, the anniversary of his death. Okay. Uh, So everyone's allowed to kind of feast and drink on this day. So that's your loophole day where you get to do stuff. Mm -hmm. As time went on in about the St. Patrick's Day was still just kind of like a Thanksgiving Day, kind of like celebratory kind of thing, like a a normal holiday. In about the mid 1800s, during the potato famine in Ireland, a whole bunch of Irish people emigrated to the Americas, North America, the mm-hmm. United States of America, where St. Patrick's Day, as it's known today, was kind of born. So they had parades and they celebrated because all these new immigrants came to America to kind of celebrate not just St. Patrick, mm-hmm. but their traditions, their heritage. Mm-hmm. So that's how St. Patrick's Day kind of became this drinking special holiday where you drink, you have fun and you you go out and you celebrate all things St. Patrick's Day with green and shamrock and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And the reason that green is used as kind of the St. Patrick's Day thing and the the clover is used, the shamrock is used as the symbol of St. Patrick's Day is because supposedly that's how St. Patrick taught people about Catholicism, about the Holy Trinity. Hmm. He would use the oh. three leaves on the clover to kind of describe the, uh, the Trinity when he was doing all that. Interesting. Right? I didn't know that. Also, fun fact, St. Mm-hmm. Patrick is actually not a real saint. Don't tell anyone in Ireland that or they'll punch you in the face probably, <laughs> but uh, he was never officially canonized by the Pope. Oh. So technically he is he's a, a fraud. <laughs> well, he's considered a lesser saint, I guess, or um, there mm-hmm. might be another name for it, but he's not an official saint saint because he was never canonized. I mean, there's always time. Let's get on that. I guess maybe. I really don't care. <laughs> so if I just start calling myself St. Elise. <laughs> I mean, I think you need a bunch of other uh, Catholic people to believe that. Yeah. To make it true. All right. So <laughs> go go out and do some miracles. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, you could be considered a saint. Cool. I'll get on that. All right. <laughs> so that's the legend of St. Patrick's Day. Kind of a, a really uh, short one. Abbreviated. So obviously, no St. Patrick's Day celebration could be complete without some Jameson. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only halfway through my spinach. Well, it's a good thing in the state of Connecticut you can have a shot and a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Loophole. So we got some Jameson here. Brandy new bottle. So Jameson is a it might not be my preferred Irish whiskey, I'll be honest. Okay. I do prefer Telemordu, but Jameson I think is the classic. This is when you it is. at St. Patrick's Day, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Jameson Sours, you get oh, Jameson, Jameson on tap. Jameson Sours are the bomb. Back when we could bar hop on St. Patrick's Day, yeah. one of the bars we would go to actually had Jameson Sours on tap with yes. a Jameson bottle as the tap handle. Oh, and they were God, really that's cool. dangerous. <laughs> so Jameson is another really old whiskey mm-hmm. established in 1780. So we're uh, in the 1700s for all of these beers. 
Damn. But Smittix is, wins the award. Smittix is the oldest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Jameson is triple distilled smooth Irish whiskey made in the John Jameson way since 1780. It's a product of Ireland. 40 proof. I'd really like there to be a little bit more of like a write up about the uh, yeah. the history when you have a when you have a whiskey that's this old. A little bit of a write up on the back would be nice. I wonder if maybe it's on the the fancier versions, like the cask distilled ones. Yeah, I mean, my guess is this back label never existed back in the day because I mean mm-hmm. the Jameson labels really never changed, at least in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and I doubt it's really changed much other than maybe the font of the Jameson. But the back is just learned more about our taste and story at JamesonWhiskey.com imported by and a government warning. Mm-hmm. So that like uh, that crap wouldn't be needed in a bottle, you know. Yeah, that's true. 70 years ago. But it's a distinctive green bottle with a red cap. Everybody knows Jameson. Yep. I don't have to describe the rest of this bottle to you guys. You know it. All Let's right. Get riggedy riggedy rigged. <laughs> so as they say in Ireland and Scotland, <laughs> slancha. So the good thing about Jameson, at least, is it doesn't have as much of a burn. It's true. I'm still a baby and I can't take a full shot. <laughs> That's right. At least I can't do shots. Mm-mm. I'm really more of a bourbon guy. Call me too American. <laughs> but I like my bourbons and my Tennessee whiskeys. But to me, um, because they're so maybe because they're so distilled, Irish whiskeys tend to taste. You can really taste the alcohol part of it. It's kind of like a whiskey vodka kind of a thing. Yeah. So I've never been as much of a fan of Irish whiskeys as I am of Bourbons. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have that kind of scotches even deep too. flavor that you can really enjoy while you're sipping. Yeah, I get that. I can't pour, you know, a couple fingers of Jameson and sip on it throughout the. Yeah, and be like, mmm, vanilla and oak and yeah, or with scotch, it's like the peatiness and the yeah. honey and stuff like that. But on the other hand, you definitely can't shoot scotch. Mm-mm. You definitely can't shoot bourbon. You can shoot Tennessee whiskey. I don't think you should shoot yeah, bourbon, you but you can. But could. <laughs> I mean, you can shoot like wild turkey, I guess. But you really should even shoot that a- though. I feel like is kind of a waste because even that has more flavor. Yeah, but Jameson's a good shooting one. And I will say, Irish whiskeys make great sours and mixed drinks yeah, and stuff do. like that. You can't really make a good. You can make some good bourbon drinks, but they're very different. Mm-hmm. You know, a Tennessee whiskey and a bourbon. You can be confused about which one's which, but an Irish whiskey and a bourbon, you're gonna know which one you're drinking. Yeah. Same with the scotch is kind of in a league of its own as well. Mm-hmm. They're all part of the same family. Did you get stuck in your accent or was that on purpose? For what? Which part? <laughs> I'm getting stuck a little bit in the accent sometimes. It's not my fault that it's just fun to do accents. <laughs> and the Irish accent's really fun. It's a little difficult because it's so close to the English accent though that sometimes you're going to slip into the English one. Mm. At least for me, because that's how I learned in school for acting. Oh, they've got, Spinnix has a thing on the side label too for the, on the neck. Sminix is a favorite of pubs on both sides of the Atlantic and has been Irish made since 1710. This red ale is Ireland's most popular ale. Ireland's most loved ale, a ruby red brew with a gentle hot bitterness, sweet malty notes, and refreshingly balanced taste. That's the same, that's that's the same stupid thing on the front. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed our episode about St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> uh, we hope you learned something. <laughs> maybe we'll do this again for a different kind of holiday, but I mean, this is kind of the drinking man's holiday, yeah. so... This kind of works well, but maybe we'll do some other... Figure something out. We could do something for Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo is a big drinking celebration holiday. Yep. You know, we can also do episodes about like drinking in terms of like sailors drink a lot, like pirates and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe something close to Ooh, Pirates Day. Like a pirate day. Yep. But yeah, if you guys like this, let us know. We'll do more or... Yeah. You know, or we'll if you We'll just do more any... because screw you. We're going to do more because <laughs> we like it. <laughs> but also if you have any suggestions for, for a themed episode, let us know. Oh yeah, for sure. So... Especially it would be really cool if maybe there's like 
a beer or a, a drink in another country that they use like specifically to celebrate a holiday that we can learn about and, and celebrate. As long as, yeah, we can make it or yeah, we have crack to get, it. We here. have to be able to get the ingredients, obviously. <laughs> the ingredients or you'd have to ship us the bottles or something, but we would yeah. love to cover it on the podcast. That'd be awesome. That'd be a really interesting thing. We don't have to just crack open craft stuff or, or stuff from distilleries and talk yeah. about it. We can do themes about the culture around drinking. That's the whole great thing about, you know, going to a brewery and going to a pub or going and celebrating with your family with mm-hmm. these different drinks is, you know, gathering around and getting these drinks in you and, and kind of opening up and having fun and stuff yeah. like that. That's the community aspect of, of breweries um, is the, the most appealing. I mean, aside from the delicious beer, <laughs> <laughs> but, and I think, I think that's also like what sucks the most about the, the, the whole pandemic is not being able to go out and like, yeah, it's fine to be drink in a group of people who just love all of the same thing. And there's nothing like, like we go to Colony Grill mm-hmm. uh, and we go to the Milford one. There's a bunch in Connecticut uh, and I think one in New York as well. Yep. And it's an Irish pizza place, <laughs> which sounds weird, but their pizza is very unique. Yeah. It's uh, a thin crust pizza. Very thin. The, the brewery, the pub is so Irish pub meets like pizza place, but mm-hmm. it's just beers and pint glasses and and brick walls and in St. Patrick's Day everything's green and mm-hmm. it celebrates oh, you they know go all out for the St. military yeah. workers and and it, this is an old hardware they store actually so have hardware a corn stuff beef and cabbage and stuff. pizza corn beef and cabbage pizzas with the and it's fantastic and they have it it's the weirdest thing but only on St. Patrick's Day so you have to have it that day mm-hmm. maybe the weekend before or after now but it used to be just St. Patrick's Day yeah um, I think they expanded it to like a f- three or four day period yeah. And it's absolutely cool. You get an Irish flag in the center of your pizza, but you're in this pub blasting, you know, the Dubliners and, you know, <laughs> Flog and Molly. Yeah. Flog and Molly's and all that other stuff is just Irish drinking songs the whole time in this pub. And then we go around um, our towns, the Milford Towns Green, and we go from pub to pub and everyone's mm-hmm. having a great time drinking red beer or green beer or Jameson yeah, shots. Even though it's Bud. Yeah. <laughs> And you just get all these different people with like just celebrating this holiday with this music blasting and having a, an absolutely fantastic time. Yeah. And you're like some of the places that we go to, like Seven Seas is so small that you're just like packed in. But all these people oh, are having such, such a great time. It's just, I love it. Yeah. You just get these old guys that are sitting there that have clearly been there since 2 p.m. Just <laughs> keeping their seats warm. It's just a great place to go and hop bars and i'm sure a lot of other towns if you're listening to this have the same kind of thing the where same you kind of setup, go from yeah. bar to bar to bar to bar where you don't have to worry about driving you're just walking to yep. different bars and it's such a great time and, and hopefully last year not. was taken away from us yeah and this year will be extremely limited but hopefully next year we can get back to normal yeah i think this year we can do it or do a version of it but yeah it'll, it'll be a little yeah. lower version much because <laughs> you got to Get seated, reservations, can't stand. Yep. And then you can't gotta be packed in like sardines anymore. Eat at the same time. So you can't go to like 80 places. Yeah. You're going to go to like maybe two places. Yeah. Yeah. The packed into sardines things usually pisses me off, but not on St. Patty's Day. Exactly. Because that's, that's the, the point. I, yeah. That's the fun of it. So raise your glasses, mm. have a toast. And on March 17th, <laughs> drink to your liver, can't take it no more. <laughs> <laughs> And then get up and go to work because it's a Wednesday. So you got to work on Thursday. <laughs> so that's it for Crack One Open, I guess. Aww. That's it for this episode. All right. So 
Thank you guys for tuning into our special episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackandwhenopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackandwhenopen or shoot us an email at crackandwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we want to hear from you. That's right. That's right. Like we just said, Mm -hmm. let us know some celebratory kind of episodes. Episode types, beer types, beer, special craft beers. If you can send us a beer from anywhere in the country, you know, Mm -hmm. we get stuff from California mostly or along the East Coast. We don't get a lot of stuff from like, let's say the Midwest. Yeah. Texas. Yeah. Wyoming, Utah, Oregon, Hawaii. Hawaii, you know, you get Kona, Kona, the big ones, but Alaska, if any of you guys are listening- and can send us beer, which now that restrictions are la- lifted, you really can. Yeah. Let us know. Send us some, let send us some stuff. If you're a brewery that wants to send us, that's cool too. Mm-hmm. We'll even Ven- Venmo you the money. <laughs> um, we'll figure it out. But yeah, we'll figure something out. Just let us know and we'll cover it. We'd love to talk about places that we know we can't normally visit. We don't visit. usually, yeah. You know, we cover a lot of Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, California stuff because that's just what's, what's available to us. In there, yeah. But we want to do everything. So what you got to plug? Well, you know, I just got my normal podcast. I've got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with audiences in its initial run. We discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcast, ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema or Forgotten Cinema Pod. And on ForgottenEntertainment.com is we're part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I've also got Two Player Bros, a podcast I do with my buddy Dave, where we're two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave, sometimes my brother Alex, sometimes just me, as we talk about the latest in PC, VR, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, news, previews, reviews. We have it all. We play it all. And join us every once in a while for a post game where we take a deep dive into your favorite modern classic or new release. And we talk about how it was made and what we think of the gameplay and story. That's available at twoplayerbros.com, forgottenentertainment.com, wherever you get your podcasts as well. And don't forget, buy my audiobooks on Audible, Michael Butler. No weird middle name, no weird double last name or anything like that. Just Michael Butler. I got a bunch of books, horror books, sci-fi books, mystery books, British crime books where I get to do different accents. No Irish accents, unfortunately, but a bunch of like bunch of English accents in that book. It's like a Guy Ritchie art theft book. So that's kind of fun. I don't get paid unless you guys buy the books. So go pick them up. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Slencha. Slencha. Yeah. I've been a wild rover for many the year. And I've spent all my money on whiskey and beer. But now I'm returning with golden grace store. And I never will play the Wild Rover no more. And it's no nay never. No nay never no more. Will I play the Wild Rover? No, never no more. I'm too sober for that. (laughs) (laughs) Our next episode will be all Irish drinking songs. Oh, no. (laughs)